The following program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 and Odyssey, Inc. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC. A registered investment advisor. Certain but not all investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL Financial Member FINRA, SIPC. Wealth Enhancement Group and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group, LLC. Strategies to make sense of your financial life. Answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money. Brought to you by Wealth Enhancement Group. Helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity. After all, it's your money. Good Sunday to you. Rashini Rajkumar here. You are listening to Your Money on WCC Radio with host Bruce and Peg. Today, we're going to get into some hot topics. We'll also talk a little bit about inflation. You can text and call us throughout the show live on our studio line, 651-989-9226. Of course, all week, ask your questions of Peg and Bruce at 888-6ADVICE or email yourmoney at wealthenhancement.com. Here's Senior Vice President Financial advisor Peg Webb and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group financial advisor Bruce Helmer and Bruce we hope you had some nice time off well thank you Rashini hi and hi Peg I did have nice time off thanks for uh, asking and Peg I know you and Chris did a great job in my absence and I know you talked a little bit about inflation last week but I don't know are you finding your clients are still asking you about it that this is a big topic right now yeah, a little bit. Uh, not as much as you would think, though. I, I think people are, are fully aware of uh, this is kind of the backside of the pandemic. And it is a first for a lot of us wondering, it, does that have a lot to do with it? And what I can tell you, Bruce, is that the clients are saying that they're not out car shopping because cars are so expensive right now. And if you want a new one, the parts aren't coming in. So that on the backside has made the used car market so expensive. Then the second one is, Bruce, that they are not getting the appliances that they ordered four or five months ago. So that's a problem. And so they they generally feel like their day-to-day, it's more consumer product purchasing driven than feeling like groceries are more expensive at this point. Yeah, I think what it really is, it's it's supply and demand, and that's really at the end of the day probably what always drives inflation. But there's this pent-up demand. Uh, people, you know, and, and not that the pandemic is totally over, but things are more normal than they've been for 16 months, and people are going out and buying certain things. And so we're seeing um, rising costs, which, you know, should not be a shock. And I think the real question is going to ultimately be, is this going to be short-lived or is this going to be an extended inflationary period? But either way, you know, we talk on this show a lot and it bears repeating. We always tell our clients and we always tell people that listen to our show, don't worry about things you can't control. We can't control inflation. We can't control if the stock market goes up or down. So those are things we shouldn't worry about. But there are things strategically that we can do to plan for it or minimize the negative impact of inflation or minimize the negative impact of a market retraction. And maybe that that's you know where, where everyone's focus should be, not on, oh, my gosh, is inflation back and how bad is it going to be and how long is it going to last? Because we, we have no control over that. 
Well, and I think the government has this front and foremost, right? They're, they're, uh, it's alerting them to watch it closely. One of the reasons that we always said, Bruce, when you and I were out doing these workshops and talking to folks out there, uh, the government doesn't really want the consumer price index to get too high because it actually reflects on what Social Security payments in the future are going to be. So they don't necessarily want these huge raises, which cost gazillions of dollars. So um, believe me, they've got their eye on it. And I love what you said. Let's control what we can control and not worry about what we can't control. Meaning specifically that even if there is going to be inflation, that is not a reason to say, oh, my gosh, I got to get out of the market or I got to, you know, put my money, in, you know, in a mattress or bury it in my backyard. In fact, that's the last thing you want to do. The exposure to long-term money or to growth is always important or almost always important for almost everybody. But it particularly becomes even more important when we're going through inflationary times. Well, and our investment team, which uh, Chris represented last week, uh, is fully aware of what asset classes or what type of investments do well in inflationary times. And that doesn't mean that we're moving our entire portfolio towards more inflation focused. But um, we do know that periods of time like this comes and there are there's a history of asset classes that do well. So we participated in those uh, to a degree, but we uh, continue with a well-diversified portfolio. We're not going to go chase those assets just because of the headlines in the last couple of weeks. Well said, uh, and I agree 100 percent. All right, let's let's so let's segue. And, and, that, and this actually is somewhat of a natural segue. Let's segue then from inflation. And let's talk about people buying a vacation home or a, a cabin or some other type of vacation property. I think almost everybody listening right now and in almost every market, some markets more than others, the home that you live in, your, your property, not your investment property or your vacation property, but just the home that you live in, it's a seller's market right now. And people are selling homes probably for way more than they thought they could or they would. In fact, Peg, I know people that are selling, planning to rent for a year or two and not buying again right now because they think the prices are near a peak and they will come back down. So they will sell real estate at the high and then go buy it uh, years down the road when it's lower. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but that's, that's the home that you live in. What about vacation homes? What about cabins right now? Are those selling at a premium? Are they selling at a discount? Should you buy one? Uh, COVID has changed the way people see the world. There's a lot of people that that will say now, um, I used to think I wanted to go to Europe or Asia. I don't anymore. I'm going to stay home. Um, I'm going to get my vacation closer to home. And and maybe I want to buy a cabin or a vacation property and not get on an airplane and not go overseas. I want to stay safe. Yeah, I think it's just so fun to think about, right? If you've achieved the American dream and you've got your first house, I mean, we all look back and go, oh, my God, this is like the most exciting day, you know, when you when you got to buy your first house. Well, now you want to have the American dream two times. And um, it's interesting to go through really the pros and cons of it. 
So the first thing I say to my clients when they bring approach me and say, what do I think about that? Uh, I say, okay, well, we need to walk through really kind of the costs of what it, what, what it costs for you to have that first American dream. And I'm talking about everything, about maintaining it, and what the mortgage might cost, and um, you know, if you had to replace a refrigerator. And the reason I do, and this is just an overview, and then we'll get to the pros and cons, is because if one refrigerator breaks, you see, you have a, you kind of have two times probability of something maybe needing fixing in two American Dream homes. So let's just talk a little bit about the reasons why people come to me and say, hey, this sounds like a great idea, because maybe you go out and you rent places and you do the VRBO and and you go, oh, my goodness, they want 4,000 a month or they want 5,000 a month to go to that sunny place in Florida or Arizona, you know, um, and, and so maybe I could just buy my own something and then have that uh, money go towards something that might build uh, an asset down the road. <clears throat> you also might think about renting that place out, and that's a whole different uh, topic. I mean, the pros and cons of rental. But people come to me and say, well, I, I, I could maybe help afford this if I would rent it part of the year. And then I'm sick and tired of mooching off of friends. So if you go to Florida, I know <laughs> this is funny because a lot of listeners know that I have a place in Florida and uh, I have a big family. So I don't, I don't, I, I don't, um, I, I, I don't know how they feel. Like, yeah. Are they mooching off of Peg Webb? Well, you know, I, I, one of the reasons I truly wanted a second home is to have family and friends come, like to have a destination place that they can come. And I love that people come to me versus me having to go travel to them. But then <clears throat> flexibility. So you might uh, decide on a whim. Hey, we've got the next weekend off or we've got the next week for vacation. And then you start searching on the Internet for where you might want to go. Well, this if you had a second place, then you've got that place just there uh, ready for you. And then people mostly, when they think about real estate, think that it will go up in value over time. And so then if you bought something, then maybe you are buying something that appreciates uh, long term. And then I've already mentioned too, Bruce, just having family. I just love the fact that we all gather. And there's nothing like... Um, you know, you can visit people and you can go have dinner for a couple hours out or something, but there's nothing like having people living in your home and having breakfast together. And um, it's just a much more intimate uh, setting, which I enjoy. But I hear my clients go, when are they going to leave? You know, uh, <laughs> so, so there's uh, that pro and con. Well, you mentioned that, uh, and, and I didn't want to speak for you because I never know how much in your own personal life you want to get, but I guess we've talked about it on the show before that you have a place in Florida. And I have a lot of friends that have a cabin. And i got to tell you, Fig, a lot of times when they talk about, quote, unquote, the cabin or going, quote, unquote, up north, um, and they're usually talking about northern Minnesota or northern Wisconsin, it sounds pretty appealing. But then a lot of the same people that have a cabin, I hear them complain about the work. They go up to the cabin, and all they did is work all weekend. They had to fix this, and they had to fix that, and they had to cut the grass. And, and 
I've always kind of thought you you might be creating more work than than enjoyment. So I, I've heard it both ways. I've heard people that love their cabin. I've heard people that consider it a lot of work. And again, I'll I'll, I'll speak to my own experience. I didn't want to have the work associated with a cabin. And so people that listen to the show have probably heard me talk before. Um, I have property up in Giants Ridge in northern Minnesota, but it's not a cabin. It's a, it's a, it's property that I can use when I want to use it, but I put it in a rental pool and there's a management company. So I don't have to do anything other than pay for things that need fixing or need replacing. And it's, it's maintenance free. But when I looked at the decision, so again, if this gives anybody any additional help, when I looked at the decision whether or not to do it, yes, I looked at cash flow. Is that a positive cash flow based on my expenses? Do I take in more in rentals than, than I have outgoing in expenses? Do I have appreciation potential? So you look at the economics, but I also looked at it as a lifestyle decision. Will I get up there? Will I enjoy it? Now, Giants Ridge is known for skiing and golf. And I don't ski, but I do golf. And there's three top 100 aesthetically gorgeous golf courses, two of them right there, one of them about 20 minutes away. So I looked at it as a lifestyle. That that was probably my top uh, criteria, more so than the economics. Yes, you want, if you're going to rent it, you want to know if it cash flows. If it's not a rental, if it's a cabin, you want to assume you can sell it someday for more than you paid for it. But the key is lifestyle. Do I want this vacation property to use and enjoy? And, and, and if that's not a reason, if it's just purely a, an investment or an economical decision, I frankly think people should reconsider and be less enthusiastic about it. Well, and, and <clears throat> I call myself a Debbie Downer sometimes when I'm sitting in front of clients because I tell them the real life of owning a second place and you you hit it on the head where the maintenance that that's no different than the house you live in right there is cost to keeping your house at the value that you paid for it or when you see the appreciation of your house what people tend to forget when they tally up how much they have into their house is what all that maintenance cost year over year we tend to like to ignore that and then if indeed you financed your house, we tend, to, we tend to ignore all the interest that we paid, the cost to carry. So then when you talk about the second place, having that in addition to the other place, I, uh, in our financial forecast, I, the first thing I ask them is, what do you think I need to alter your budget, you know, for, for this second place? And they're usually shocked at how much it costs when it, we get to property taxes and, um, you know, fees maybe associated with a HOA or uh, people are shocked that insurance is a lot more expensive because the insurance company is not dumb. They know that people aren't in these places full time. So the cost uh, to be in a place like that is is higher and then the reason is because if the pipe breaks, you're not really there to, to witness that or find that right away. And so the, and then Bruce, it's the other vacations that people take. So they love to go on these river cruises. They love to go uh, short notice with their friends that are saying, Hey, we're going up to this place for a weekend. Do you want to come with us? Then they're hesitant because their budget, their entire budget is for the second home, and then they have to uh, give up 
doing some other things that they used to enjoy. You know, that last point is a great point, and I hadn't even considered that. Um, you can talk about the cost of a vacation property or a second property, but I never it never occurred to me there's, there maybe is a lost opportunity cost there that now you can't go do other things because you put everything in your budget into this vacation home. And one other one, Peg, that you didn't even mention is you're probably not going to pay cash for this thing, right? You're going to finance it, and people are going to discover that the interest rate or the terms and conditions on a second home or a vacation home are not as attractive as your primary residence. For the reasons you gave uh, why why other costs are higher, that's also going to pertain to your mortgage. Your interest on on a mortgage when you finance it is also going to be higher. Yeah. Now, what I can tell people, too, is um, since I was talking about myself here a little bit, so my my family, my husband specifically, likes to get into a neighborhood where he knows the neighbors and he knows the resources nearby. Going somewhere unique every time, let's say on vacation, doesn't fly as well with him because, you know, it, it takes so much time to acclimate and go get your groceries and go do all this, you know. So, so you got to look at your lifestyle uh, to see which one would work better uh, for your family. And then I would say, too, if you're going to do a second home, um, and a lot of reasons people don't, Bruce, is because they haven't had the time. We've got a lot of early, you know, 60-year-olds now retiring, and they haven't traveled. They haven't stayed in Arizona and San Diego and Florida and all these different places to be able to even narrow down where they would want this second place. So I encourage them to go, you know, um, vacation around before you go put a bunch of money into a place and then you decide that that wasn't the right decision. Absolutely. Okay, so if you're just if you join this late, Peg and I are talking about cabin or vacation property, should you or shouldn't you? We talked about a lot of advantages or a lot of reasons to do it. We threw up some red flags in terms of costs and whatnot. And, um, Peg, what else do people need to know? But then before you answer that, the, the, before I forget to say it, so when we get this question, the good news is, is that we can help a client determine what those costs are, add that to their future value forecast, and determine whether or not it's affordable. And, and, I, and I'm not afraid to look a client in the eye and say, I don't think you can afford this and you don't think you should do it, because they'd rather know the honest truth than to, than to get in over their head. On the other hand, it's very rewarding as an advisor to say, yeah, absolutely, you should go for it. We think you can afford this, no problem. But so, so run with that and then anything else that we didn't talk about that we should have, and maybe we can still squeeze in a text in this half of the show. Well, what happens, Bruce, is when we, when we do endorse them, hey, go buy that. Another thing that I try to get them to talk about before is what do you, is the place fully furnished? Is it exactly the way you want? Because we need to add that into the budget. Or if you're going to buy a cabin, then you need the pontoon. Or you know, can you buy some? I mean, can you buy some things that these other people had that maybe they don't need anymore, and and try to cut a deal there? <clears throat> but you know, the other thing is 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 being open about family and friends coming. Like, who's going to use it? Do 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 your kids? want to come, I mean, here's a way of kind of luring your children and your grandchildren to a place (laughs) that they may want to spend more time with you. So, 
But then we see on the backside um, a little strife when they get older and none of the kids want this second home and they've got a lot of emotion about it. And I won't get into a lot of detail, but on the backside, we will, we kind of work through um, estate planning with clients and, and it's complex. I mean, bottom line, it just is. A second home is more complex. Yeah, so again, you brought up something that I frankly probably wouldn't have thought of, and we're probably not going to have time to get to a text. We're, we're running short a little bit here. So just to put a bow on this conversation, um, we help people think of costs that they might not have thought of. That's not uncommon. So they think they've thought it through, and you're like, oh, really? Are you just going to go up there and sit around and in an empty room or play cards? No, you're going to want to go out on the boat. and You're going to want to do this, want to do that. So we help them consider those costs. Um, but then also you brought up something, and maybe we dig a little deeper on this in the second half of the show. Now that you've got this thing, this property, this cabin, what if you die with it? It does add a piece of complexity to your legacy planning or your estate planning. And uh, maybe the second half of the show we'll dig into that a little bit deeper, and then Rashidi will take any and all questions uh, from listeners. Yeah, I want to remind people you can call and text Pat- Peg and Bruce this morning, 651-989-9226. We'll take all your questions. And we are getting some really wonderful texts that have come in on this uh, topic of that lake place or second place. And I think they're really interesting, you know, including those hidden costs, sometimes hidden, of traveling to and from. So a couple nuggets for Peg and Bruce to think about as uh, we get ready for the second half of the show. We welcome you to call and text Peg and Bruce this morning on Your Money with your questions. The number for both the phone and the text line, 651-989-9226. And uh, really great information so far. Lots more to share. So get in your personalized questions this morning on Your Money. This program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC. A registered investment advisor. Certain but not all investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL Financial Member FINRA, SIPC. Wealth Enhancement Group and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group, LLC. Sound strategies to make sense of your financial life. Answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money. Brought to you by Wealth Wealth Enhancement Group, helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity. After all, it's your money. We are back on Your Money. Rashini Rajkumar here, along with your hosts, Bruce and Peg. And we are talking uh, about several things this morning that have to do with those lake places, those investment properties. Uh, Bruce and Peg also touched on inflation today. They welcome your questions, 651-989-9226. We have many wonderful texts waiting you can also call us but bruce maybe you could give us a quick recap yeah thanks rashini so if you think if you are joining us late thanks for joining us and if you've been with us thanks for sticking around so really quickly uh yes inflation is here again we've seen an increase in the cost of living in certain areas um certain things uh have gone up in value or in cost but uh, i think our overall message is don't panic don't worry about things you can't control This is one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why we coach our clients to keep a position in growth or stocks uh, so that your overall rate of return on your aggregate money keeps pace with the rate of inflation and doesn't lose purchasing power. Then we spent most of our time talking about should you buy a 
quote-unquote cabin or vacation home, a place up north uh, in northern Minnesota, northern Wisconsin, or wherever you're considering maybe a, a, a warm-weather place, Florida or Arizona, uh, a, a destination to get out of the cold if you're in the north. And we talked about some of the advantages of doing this, saving on rental costs or travel costs. Uh, Airbnb or VRBO uh, rentals can be expensive. Um, if you want to turn it into a rental like I do with my property, it's a potential investment or uh, investment income uh, on your on your real estate investment. You don't have to mooch up your friends. As Peg said, she'd rather she loves guests, she loves family coming and friends, and she'd rather be the hostess rather than go to someone else's place. Um, flexibility. You can do things on a whim. You can say, hey, let's go to the place, and you don't have to do a lot of uh, long-range planning. You can be spontaneous. Um, and then, again, we hope your property appreciates so that if you ever want to sell it, you can sell it for a profit or a gain. And then, again, it's a gathering place for you and friends, family, and loved ones. So there's a lot of good reasons that, or a lot of reasons why it might be attractive to have a vacation home. But then we, we warned people about the cost. Um, just maintenance, if you, you think of what your regular house costs, now add another house or another property, and costs are going to probably almost double. And you've got a uh, higher cost uh, on mortgage if you finance. Um, you've got, uh, uh, you know, cost travel just to get there. If it's a drive, the gas uh, th- that it takes to get there. So we, we just tell people to consider all the costs and make sure that it's affordable. And the good news is, we can help clients do that. And, and, again, we talked about one of the costs that you might not think about. So you buy a cabin. Well, if you buy a cabin, you're going to buy a boat or a pontoon or a jet ski or something to do once you get up there. You're not just going to go up there and you know and sit in, in a room and play cards. Maybe you are. Maybe you just like to look at the water, but probably uh, not. And then the one thing, Peg, we didn't get to go deep enough into is it's great to have this asset in the family. But now if you pass away and you haven't sold this asset, which kids are interested in it, which kids are not? And that can add a, uh, you know, a level of complexity to your estate or your legacy planning. And I don't know how deep we want to get into it. Do you want any, anything you want to add before we let listeners take us the rest of the way? Well, the comment I want to make is we've seen everything. We've seen it go very, very smoothly you know, to the next generation, and we've seen it destroy families. It has to be talked about. It has to be legally written how you would like to disperse of that cabin or what your wishes are. Um, And I also would encourage, I'm not an attorney, but I encourage my clients to put it in a trust, put it all in their words of what, what their wishes are, lay it out, and how you see it happening. Now, um, lots of times, Bruce, one child loves the cabin, and the other three don't give a rip about it. So then what the parents do is they they, uh, give the cabin to the one person and then give cash or monetary um, gift, you know, to the others. But I always say beware because the one that got the cabin has lots more expenses than the one who the ones who got cash. And so, um, and normally Bruce, lastly, uh, I encourage clients to move a pot of money in this trust upon death to pay for a lot of the expenses, because what I saw on the backside is that the kids are not prepared for those uh, additional expenses. And that's what starts the friction because usually one sibling has lots more money than the others. 
And anyway, it, it, it then spirals. So my bottom line coaching is be prepared not only for today in buying it budget-wise, but also thinking about your children and what would happen to that asset after you pass. And the only other thing, Rashini, I want to add, and then we'll go to listeners. Uh, I did mention this in the first half of the show, but I want to repeat it. So this idea to go buy a cabin or a vacation home, most of the time it's for lifestyle. It's, it's to have a place to go and entertain and enjoy life and relax and refresh and revitalize yourself and, 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 and live life. But sometimes people want to invest in real estate or a vacation home for the investment's sake. And I would tell those people that, that, that are looking for investment real estate that it's an easier decision if you're also going to use the property and enjoy it. If it's just a straight investment, then you really have to focus on the appreciation potential and do a cash flow analysis in terms of is the property going to create more income than expenses. But if you're also going to use the property, that takes away a lot of the risk because you can say, I'm enjoying this property. I don't care if I'm not making money on it. If I can get to a break even and still use it when I want to, I'm, I'm completely happy with that. So, you, so there's two ways to look at it as an investment or as a lifestyle decision. And if it fits both, then it's, then it's easier for me to look somebody in the eye and say, yeah, I think you should do it. But that's the bottom, bottom line. If you're not sure, go see a financial advisor and we can help you make the determination whether it's affordable for you and fits into your budget or if it's going to torpedo your retirement. You want to know that before you pull the trigger. All right, let's let listeners drive us home. All right, lots of great questions coming in. You can call and text Peg and Bruce, 651-989-9226. Here's a great one. What are your thoughts on using VRBO Airbnb versus owning a vacation home? Peg, um, you want to concisely hit that one? I think, you know, that's kind of everything we've talked about so far. But, I mean, a lot of people listening and a lot of our clients do love uh, the flexibility of going to different places at different times of the year and using Airbnb and VRBO. What would you say to that versus buying? Well, um, I happen to be one who does both. So I love going online and looking at all these different places to stay. And <clears throat> lots of my friends like to go gather in a particular place and have a house so that it, that, so six or eight of us can stay in that place together. And that's a great experience. I absolutely love the fact that you can go online and in, in seconds do a uh, find of places in the area that you uh, want to go. So I think that's great. I don't know a lot, Bruce, about like the, um, the um, details about doing that because I've never done it before. So uh, there's more tax ramifications and, and, you know, liability. You know, I, I encourage my clients who do this to go get an LLC, a limited liability corp and put that real estate in, in that entity because uh, you got to cover your risk. Um, and then, so I, I don't know if it's one versus the other, um, but if you're not sure, I mentioned too, Bruce, maybe you start that way because you don't know what location you actually want to buy in. I think that's a great, uh, those are great resources to go rent some places in close to the neighborhoods that you would potentially buy in. Um, that's a great answer. And I just thought of something from that text that we didn't address, um, 
and and I don't mean to throw you a curveball, Peg, but one of the things that people used to do, I, I think not so much anymore. In fact, I hear a lot more advertisements about getting out of them. But timeshare used to be a big deal or even fractional investing. And I don't know people, that people do it that much anymore. In fact, there's a whole industry that has sprung up about getting you out of your timeshare. Um, again, I don't mean to throw you a curveball, but do you, do you have clients that bring questions like that to you? Yes, I do. And I've actually had a timeshare for 30 years already, and I absolutely have loved it. I love the, um, well, in my early career, it actually kind of forced me to take a vacation because you had to use your couple weeks per year. So um, that's that's was our lifestyle was just to try to get the family and get the kids out um, and just enjoy a vacation. But the fees have gone up uh, just astronomically since I've purchased the thing. I still think they're reasonable for what it provides, but a lot of clients just don't want to do it anymore. And a lot of times it's because they're getting older and they don't necessarily want to be forced, you know, to go to these places. Um, so I still think it's cheaper than uh, going out and buying a second home. That's for sure. But then now with the ease of just going online with these Airbnbs, et cetera, I think that because of that, they're not as valuable to some people because you're so locked in versus just going out somewhere on a whim. All right, let's keep uh, these great texts going. One person is wondering or says another cost with a second home is the constant cost of travel and time to and fro. What do you two say about that? Yeah, uh, Peg, that's a great point. I mean, uh, you know, we talked today again about inflation, and one of the things that we look at with regard to inflation that impacts almost everyone listening is the price at the pump. And if your cabin or your vacation home is a, you know, a, a several hundred mile drive, that certainly can, you know, be a factor. Or if it's uh, in a location like, you know, Florida for you and you have to fly there, you have, you have to look at those travel costs. Yeah, and I think whether it's gas or whether it is airfare or whether it is, you know, having a place and then a pandemic hits, I mean, there's all sorts of of risks associated with that uh, that could put a dent in your pocketbook. And so you just have to consider all of those things. Um, one of the things that, that happened to me is, and I'm talking about the early 2000s now, uh, we had a place that we purchased in Mexico. And talk about change, you know, from the early 2000s until now about Mexico. Well, one of the things that happened was airfare got just so astronomically high that my friends and family couldn't even come. Like it was just so expensive. And then I don't have to mention other things within Mexico that have happened. So you, so committing to a place is, has just tons more risk than going and buying or renting. And, and so that's how I would answer that. It's just you have to consider all the risks when you decide to buy a second home. Yeah, ditto. I can't add to that. That's a great answer. Okay, this person asks, can you talk about 1031 exchanges or other strategies to minimize the tax consequences when you sell your vacation property? So, Peg, we have a really smart listener texting in this morning. Um, For other listeners that don't know what the the texter's talking about, talk about what a 1031 is 
and where or if it might ever be applicable or how it might be applicable to somebody. Yeah, so 1031 exchanges, let's say that you bought a second home and you paid 200000 for it and now it's worth 500000 and you haven't put a dime into it, meaning you haven't improved it at all, and now you have 300000 worth of capital gains. If indeed you want to go buy another similar um, real estate holding, then you can do what's called a 1031 exchange, which says if you identify a property before you sell your other property that you want to exchange, um, and I've had a client recently do this where he had an individual home and then he moved into a condo in Florida because of lifestyle changes and all, and then was able to uh, defer that 300000 because they did this IRS, and it's, it's an IRS code, this 1031 exchange. Now, he just passed the, off those capital gains. Somebody eventually will pay, unless under current law he dies, then um, that will uh, step up in basis, and then there will be no tax due. Yeah, so th- that's a really great answer. I'll just add a little bit, Rashini and listeners. You know, the 1031 exchange, I think the specific language is like kind. And what they really mean by like kind is approximately equivalent value. So you could actually exchange farmland for lakeshore if the, if the value of each was about the same. So like kind doesn't mean I have to do a single family home for a single family home or an apartment or an apartment. It means approximately equivalent value. And it's a tax defer strategy, like Peg said, not tax avoidance. But by delaying it, you might ultimately avoid if the if the new asset that you traded or exchanged for ends up passing to the next generation. They may get a step up in basis before they sell it. And then you're able to upgrade or trade properties to one you wanted more without paying taxes on all the gains on the first one that you own. So this is a strategy that as financial advisors, Peg and I have been using all of our career, but I applaud the listener and the texture for asking the question and knowing about that, because I'm sure to most listeners that's that's uh, a new concept and not something they know about. And, and Peg, it, it also reminds me that a lot of these things that we do every day and we talk about every day, 401k, uh, 1031 exchange, people say, how do they get these names? They're, all they are is sections of the overwhelmingly thick tax code And so that's 401k is a section of tax code that talks about employer uh, retirement plans and and, uh, uh, using pre-tax dollars and getting a deduction for the contribution. 1031 is the part that talks about trading real estate. So these are all just sections of the tax code, and that's where the name comes from. Okay, friends, we only have five more minutes with Peg and Bruce, so give us your calls, 651-989. 9226. This texter says, is it readable and smart to spend half the year overseas and half in the States to make the retirement money last longer? Places in Asia and South America are less expensive, and I think I could rent cheaper there and not buy something. Interesting question. Peg, do you have any clients doing something like that? Um, well, I just mentioned Mexico, which is actually a foreign country, um, which it, it was a, a learning experience in that you don't understand uh, foreign countries until you plop yourself in one for a length of time, right? So unless you've got some knowledge about a particular country, 
you know, how the currency works, you know, how it might be to live there half a year. Because what I found, Bruce, is um, I loved vacationing there, but then didn't really like living there. Um, and so I, I would just h- highlight that you truly want to immerse yourself and probably rent for a length of time before you would actually commit to buying. Yeah, I think that's great advice. You know, uh, try it first. And, and you're right, just vacationing there is not the same as living there. I was trying to think of if I have an example from my own practice, and I did think I, I, I know I have probably more than one client, but I remembered a client that spends – over half of the year, I can't remember, it's in the U.S. Virgin Islands. I can't remember if it's St. Thomas or St. John's, and they teach scuba. But even though I, I don't know if that's technically a foreign com- uh, country, if it's U.S. Virgin Islands as opposed to other Caribbean uh, uh, islands or, or British Virgin Islands, but I do know that part of their motivation is the climate, and part of the motivation is they're doing something they love, but part of the motivation is the cost of living down there is really, really low as compared to up here in Minnesota. So that, it, there might be viability to the strategy, but I guess I would say what I always say, don't move somewhere just for the tax savings or because it costs less. Um, even going to Florida, a lot of people want to go to Florida because there's no state taxes. When you look at other costs and other potential disadvantages, it may erode a lot of the tax advantage. But if you want to go there because you love warm weather and you love the climate in Florida, and maybe you save a few bucks in taxes to boot, I think you have to have both motivations. And I know this client that's in the Virgin Islands, that it's not just re- reduction of their cost of living. They love the lifestyle down there. Well, and one other thing, Bruce, too, is the currency risk. So, right. you know, I, I bought that house in pesos, and that, that actually goes up and down. And so you actually more, were more, it was more challenging timing when to sell that because of the currency difference uh, versus the U.S. dollar. So keep that in mind as well. Absolutely. Rasheen, do we have time for one more? Yeah, let's get a quick one in. Uh, this person is talking about the cost of truck and hitch to tow the pontoon and then more car insurance. So maybe we could wind out, Peg and Bruce, with kind of an overall kind of insurance tips and things people should make sure they're covered for. Yeah, Peg, insurance and, and hidden costs that people might not think about. Yeah, so I, I mentioned earlier in the show insurance and um, kind of found, found that out from one of my clients in that when a place is empty, this person's talking about maybe you have to get a bigger vehicle. So the bigger vehicle, like the truck or the hitch or the the trailer or whatever to get your jet ski up there and all of that is just additional costs. And then there's so many hidden costs. Just um, once again, I think the best way to think about it is look at your own house and what has happened to your own house in the last 30 years. What are all the things that can happen? And then you have to create a budget. And we just walk our clients through that and so that they have somewhat of an idea before they go purchase. Peg, Rashini, listeners, everybody make it a great day. Absolutely. Well, lots of great questions and answers today. You can, of course, get your questions in during the week to Peg and Bruce at 888-6-ADVICE or mail in your questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. Once again, it's been a great episode of 
your money. We will be back next Sunday, same time, same place. And as Bruce said, make it a great week. Enjoy this gorgeous weather. And remember, you got some great information today. How are you going to put it to use? previous program was sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 and Odyssey Inc.